It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. Welcome aboard. Last week, we started off our show asking the original winner of that $1,300 Camp Chef pellet grill from our Christmas gift giveaway show to reach out to us, but unfortunately, he did not. So despite the repeated emails we sent him and the shout out on the air, he didn't reach out and we drew another name. And I am happy to report the winner of that Woodwind Pro Pellet Grill is none other than Robert Cook, who tunes into our show on the mighty 690 KGGF broadcasting out of Coffeyville in southern Kansas. Congratulations, Robert. You did get back to me right away, and I hope you get years of great patio grilling out of this really impressive pellet grill. This week on America Outdoors Radio, we've got three great guests for you. The first one is Jim Harris with the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. And we'll be talking about some places you might want to go to in the natural state this winter for some very good fishing. Jim puts out an email every week with the latest fishing reports from Arkansas, and he is very dialed in on this topic. So whether you are after big trout or bass or panfish, you want to hear about this in just a few minutes. Another returning guest today is Phil Bourgelet. He's the shotguns editor for Field and Stream, and he just wrote a really Really interesting article about the Mossberg 500 pump shotgun, which he calls the greatest cheap shotgun ever made. Is this a backhanded compliment? Oh no, Phil says this with affection, and you'll hear how he came to this conclusion during our program today. Christmas is just a week away, and if you are still stumped as to what to give that special someone in your life, how about the gift of adventure, travel, and fishing? Last week, we talked about purchasing a trip to either Mexico or Brazil, staying at Anglers Inn International, and this week, I'm going to tell you what, you can't go wrong buying somebody a stay at a fantastic fishing lodge in Alaska. Steve Crook is the guest services manager at Sportsman's Cove Lodge on Prince of Wales Island in southeast Alaska. It's a place I've been to several times. They're a longtime sponsor of our show, and I have loved each and every trip I've taken there. Steve's going to break down exactly what a trip looks like to what we simply refer to as Alaska's best lodge. And we're going to talk about not only the accommodations, but also the fishing, the boats, the customer service, and don't forget the great meals you're going to have there too. I think after you hear the details, you'll definitely want to pick up the phone and book a stay there this coming summer, and you'll make somebody very happy for Christmas if you do. Before we talk to these three great guests, though, we've got something else for you. It's time for the Trail of Shame. Shame, shame on you. Shame, shame on you. Stories of poachers, scoundrels, and other ne'er-do-wells. So if you see someone committing a criminal act on the water or in the field, turn them in. It's the right thing to do. 
From Wyoming Game and Fish, we learned three men were charged with more than 100 wildlife violations in one of the largest poaching cases in Wyoming history. The charges were the result of a seven-year multi-agency investigation spanning four states and involving thousands of hours of investigations and efforts by both state and federal wildlife law enforcement officers, county and federal prosecutors. The charges were prosecuted across four different Wyoming counties, concluding in Park County in September of this year. The guilty parties, that would be Russell Vick of Alabama, Robert Underwood of Oklahoma, and David Underwood of South Dakota. They were convicted of numerous wildlife offenses and fined a total of over $171,000 along with another $131,550 in restitution. The case all started in October of 2015 when a Gillette game warden received a request from a hunter for an interstate game tag to accompany a deer head as it was shipped to Russell Vick for taxidermy work in Alabama. However, a database search showed that Vick had a Wyoming address and that he had purchased a Wyoming resident hunting license for several years. With this conflicting information, the warden began to unravel a case that would eventually identify dozens of wildlife violations in four different counties in Wyoming. As the investigation of Vic widened to include cellular and social media sources, evidence mounted against his acquaintances, Robert Underwood and his son David, both former Gillette Wyoming residents. In May of 2017, special agents from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and local Alabama wildlife officials served a federal search warrant at Vic's residence in Alabama. Simultaneously, a federal search warrant was executed at David Underwood's residence in Edgemont, South Dakota, and Robert Underwood was interviewed at his home in Jones, Oklahoma. Numerous elk, deer, pronghorn, and a bighorn sheep ram mount were seized, from the Vic and Underwood residences, along with digital evidence. While at Vic's residence, Alabama officers also observed numerous violations of Alabama state law, and through a state search warrant, they seized illegally taken or possessed alligators and migratory birds. A second federal search warrant was conducted in November of 2017 after officers learned Vic had removed more than a dozen wildlife mounts from his residence, including three bull moose and three bighorn sheep rams. The mounts were tied back to locations in Wyoming where Vic had poached these animals. They were later found hidden in a trailer he had removed from his property and stashed over 60 miles away from his residence in Alabama. Using all the gathered evidence and information from multiple interviews and search warrants, charges against the three individuals were brought forward in Campbell, Weston, Sheridan, and Park counties in Wyoming. In the end, Russell Vic pled guilty to killing two bighorn sheep rams and a bull elk without a license during closed seasons in Weston County. He was also charged with 43 wildlife violations that took place in Campbell County to include killing, possessing, and transporting two doe and two buck antelope, 11 buck mule deer, pheasants, and a bull elk. In Sheridan County, Vic was found guilty of killing three mature bull moose and one yearling bull moose without a license in the Bighorn National Forest. And in Park County, he was charged with illegally killing another bighorn sheep without a license and being an accessory to other crimes. 
Did Vic get some jail time? Yes, he did. He was serving a one-year sentence for poaching the bull moose in Sheridan County and then sentenced this year in Park County to 20 to 24 months in state prison. That's in addition to all the fines we mentioned. As for Robert Underwood, well, he was charged with illegally killing a bull elk and wild turkey without a license during a closed season. He was an accessory to Vic's killing of two bighorn sheep in Weston County. In Campbell County, he was also busy killing and possessing eight buck mule deer, two bull elk, a cow elk, and a bobcat, all killed illegally. And he ended up getting 50 days in the slammer, along with over $52,000 in fines and restitution. As for David Underwood, well, he was an accessory to several of these crimes, but he was also busy poaching, too. In Campbell County, he was charged with illegally killing a buck antelope and pheasants without a license, and he ended up getting about $20,000 in fines and restitution that he'll have to pay. Last but not least, all of these individuals lost their hunting and fishing privileges in not just Wyoming, but 48 other states participating in the Interstate Wildlife Violator Compact. Here's a huge shout out to not just Wyoming Game and Fish, but to all the agencies who put in a lot of time and effort for this lengthy investigation that resulted in some convictions. And as for you, David Underwood, Robert Underwood, and especially Russell Vick, you richly deserve to be walking our trail of shame and good luck paying off all those fines in the years to come. If you are looking for a last-minute Christmas gift, head on down to a sporting goods store near you or a hardware store and check out what they've got in stock from WorkSharp. WorkSharp, as you know, makes great knife and tool sharpeners, both ones you can use in the field that are non-electric and plenty of electric ones too. So whether you are looking for a knife and tool sharpener for the shop or one of their culinary knife sharpeners, they've got a whole line of those, you're going to make somebody very happy for Christmas. You can check out the product line at WorkSharpTools.com and again, you can buy them right now at quality sporting goods stores and hardware stores near you. In today's news, I'm cooking a brisket. Let's go to Jill at my house to see how it's going. This is your house and you brought me and the crew to check on your brisket? That's correct, Jill. How's it looking? This is a Camp Chef Woodwind Wi-Fi. You know you, you can check your cook right from your phone, right? I didn't know that was an option, Jill. Well, never mind. But before you leave, can you feed the dog? What? No, no. When we get back, why is my check engine light on? The answer may shock me. Why book at Sportsman's Cove Lodge? Why is Alaska like no other place on earth? It hasn't changed in thousands of years. From the way you get here on a float plane to the way you go out with the guides and the boats, it's just a professional experience. And I said, this is as good as it gets. I said, if you can't catch fish here, you can't catch fish anywhere. Your experience with us will leave you speechless. Book now at alaskasbestlodge.com. Ready to step up to a quality-built rifle or shotgun that's a true classic? Check out Henry Repeating Arms, American-made. There's over 200 models to choose from in a variety of finishes and calibers for hunters and target shooters. Many of these are lever-action models with a look right out of the Old West. Don't be deceived, though. Henry Repeating Arms are modern, rugged, accurate, reliable, and have a lifetime guarantee. Find out more and order a free catalog today at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. 
Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. huntofalifetime.org. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. Our next stop is the natural state of Arkansas. We've got Jim Harris on the line. He's with Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. He puts out a weekly fishing report. You really ought to subscribe to it if you're interested in fishing in this state because there's all sorts of great fishing to be had from bass to trout to panfish and a whole lot more. Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, John. I appreciate being on. You know, I've, I've never called you at this time of year before. What kind of fishery shine during the winter months in Arkansas? It's not going to be summer bass fishing, that's for sure. But, you know, all our trout fisheries are doing really good at this time of year, and especially if you don't have to get out on ice. And so far, I mean, I think the temperature's perfect for bundling up a little bit and hit our tailwaters for trout. Uh, the brown trout are spawning now. You probably might get some angry action out of them. They're not looking for food. They're looking to keep folks away in in a sense. And it's catch and release in some places too right now for the brown trout. But I will say our brown trout fishery, especially under Bull Shoals Dam and under the Greer's Ferry Lake Dam, are just outstanding this year. I think they've had a great year. Something that we do pretty unique around the state during the holiday season is just about all of the 40-something, 47, 48 ponds that we have in our family and community fishing pond program all through the state, just about every city that's got uh, community ponds in the program. Instead of stocking them with catfish, which they like to fish during the year, we stock with trout. Because the temperature suits it well. I mean, we're 48 degrees outside right now, you know, air temperature, so the water temperature is down in most places, except for maybe South Arkansas, and I think it's down there too, but uh, there's still 58 degrees or below, and trout are fine at that temperature. They... uh, Pretty much survived the trip from the uh, fish hatchery up in North Arkansas. We place them all over the state, you know, 100 to 500, depending on the size of the pond or lake. And just to get you out there, John, there's a prize on some of these fish. There's a tag, and if you get it, you get a prize, and you get entry into another prize. I mean, it's just it's just giveaway time here at Christmas <laughs> for the Game and Fish Commission. So you get a chance to win. I think the grand prize, a couple of people are going to win all-expense-paid trips, uh, fishing trips for later in 2023. Oh, that sounds fabulous. Yeah, that's from us, uh, you know, to you from AGFC. Well, Merry Christmas to all of us. Yeah, Merry Christmas to everybody. Trout fishing is in. (laughs) You know, I love the fact that the state has all these community ponds. I grew up fishing as a kid 
on a little pond called Glenmere Pond in Greeley, Colorado, whenever we would go visit our grandpa over there. And, and I would literally spend the whole day just watching the bobber and waiting for a pumpkin seed or a catfish or a bluegill to bite. And yeah. it really got me hooked on fishing. So I, I think it's great that you're stocking these community ponds. And I love the fact that there's some gifts being given away as well. Let's talk about some current fishing reports. Let's start off. Hey, let me ask, hey, let me just say one thing, though. These are eatable Edible, eatable size fish. They're bigger than 12-inch trout. You can take these home. I mean, these aren't just catch and toss them back in. These are catch and take home for dinner. So you have that going for you. But anyway, go ahead. You were going to change the subject, and I appreciate it because I'm getting goofy on this end. So (laughs) just thinking about the trout fishing and the little kids getting out on the Christmas holiday, which is, I guess, on a weekend. So it should be fun for folks. Well, you're right. and you're right. Other spots. You're wanting to hit other spots here in Arkansas. And, and I have one for you. Okay. That's a great spot. It's kind of a secret. So anybody coming to Arkansas and specifically to northwest Arkansas, and if you've got, you know, access to a boat would help. But but there's a lake called Swepco Lake. Actually, it's part of a, a damned creek system. But the water there is warmer than any lake it's going to be in Arkansas in, in December and January and February. The reason is that lake is used as uh, coolant through the pipes, I guess, for the uh, coal fire swept coal electric plant in Gentry. So this is pretty much in the corner of the northwest corner of Arkansas. It's a nice size lake. Uh, we just had a picture in our in our email report that you probably get. I know you subscribe. Oh yes. And this kid, he caught a monster out of there just the other day. I mean, just a huge bass. And here's what's going on there. Now I can't guarantee that this is a Florida, you know, DNA strain bass. But we in Arkansas, in our southern lakes, we stock with Florida strain largemouth bass. We just call them Florida largemouth bass. The thing about that bass is it grows bigger and faster than the northern largemouth bass, which is our general native bass here. The the object here is not that we're going to stock and these fish are going to grow. The the object is they're going to bring in their genetics into those lakes with the northern. And then we will hope over time, and we've seen it happen in our southern lakes where we stock, we're getting bigger bass. We're getting 10, 11 pound, 12 pound bass. You go to White Oak Lake down by Camden, you're going to catch some major bass. People aren't really hitting that lake as much as I think they probably ought to. But man, if you go there, you're going to have a whale of a time. <laughs> no pun intended the, there. Cause it's gonna be, but anyway, Swepco has these two. The thing I'm saying is the only lake north of, say, the middle of Arkansas that's going to ever have these because it can sustain them is Swepco Lake up in northwest Arkansas. So there's going to be some big bass when you go there. So I get we got time for one more question here, Jim. Sure. I got a lot to talk about. I know, but we only have time for one more. If I want to go crappie fishing, because I know winter can be an excellent time to go crappie fishing. Where should I go this week? I'm gonna say gosh, that's hard to say. I say any big lake and look up on our website. We have on most of the big, I think pretty much every lake that we've been able to canvas, we've got markers for GPS locations 
for the brush piles. I mean, it tells you basically where to go. You don't have to just get on a lake and go, okay, where do I go now? Or do I look for the birds or that kind of thing? The spots to go to are on our website under our GPS. Just go under our fishing site and you can find that. And I'd say all our big lakes are going to have good crappie right now. You're probably going to be fishing 20 to 40 feet down. I think Greer's Ferry's got great crappie fishing going on now. Of course, the one you don't want to miss, it's not quite as deep, but the best crappie fishing in Arkansas is probably going to be at Lake Conway, and that's between Conway and Mayflower, right off Interstate 40, and you can fish with your basic crappie jigs. I'd suggest chartreuse as part of the color, maybe black and chartreuse, and then make sure you get some directions. Go to our friends at Batesfield and Stream in Mayflower, and they can probably direct you to the hot spots. Uh, Caney Creek and Gold Creek, uh, Palarm Creek, all those little areas right now are really hot with crappie fishing, so... You're going to have a great time. Well, we got to leave it at that. But as you just heard, folks, there is some great fishing going on right now for bass, for trout, for crappie, and more in the natural state of Arkansas. So take advantage of it. And if you haven't already, sign up for the weekly newsletter from the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. All sorts of great information about where to go fishing every week put together by Jim Harris. Jim, thanks for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. John, thank you for having me, and have a Merry Christmas to you, your family, and all the listeners out there. Right back at you, Jim. Explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display. Or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. country hunters and anglers. You may have heard of us, but what are we about? BHA is the voice for your wild public lands, waters, and wildlife. From national level policy work to boots on the ground projects like public land cleanups, we work across North America to uphold the legacy of our public lands and waters, as well as your opportunity to hunt, fish, and recreate on them. Stand up for public lands and waters and become a BHA member today. Visit backcountryhunters.org. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio, and let's talk shotguns. And the person we got to get on the line to talk shotguns with is none other than Phil Borgeli, coming at us today from the great state of Iowa. Phil, as you probably know, is the shotguns field editor for Field and Stream. Phil, happy holidays. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You just wrote a really good article about the venerable Mossberg 500, and you call it kind of a backhanded compliment here, the greatest cheap shotgun ever made. Tell us more about the Mossberg 500. I think you're probably the first person to ever call it venerable, which is terrific. It's called a lot of other names, but really it has been around since the early 60s, and it still works wonderfully. And the reason I called it the greatest cheap shotgun ever made, it was you know, in its time, 
made to undercut the 870, made to undercut the Ithaca 37 and the Model 12, all of which it did. And it is another back-end compliment. I will give it right now. It's the gun that won the race to the bottom. Uh, and I say that. You know, I, I say that it's a design that can be made less expensively than any of those other guns. Still work very reliably, and that's what makes it great. You know, at the time when it came out, it had an alloy receiver, which was unusual, almost unknown, uh, not completely unknown, but, but quite unusual. And and people looked at that, and they looked at the wooden magazine plug, and you know later they added, Mossberg started adding plastic parts. And dismissed it as cheap, which it is, but that's exactly what it was designed to be. It was designed to be a cheap gun that worked very well, and that's exactly what it is. And millions of happy owners will tell you just that about their Mossberg. Well, my best friend and hunting partner of 45 years, uh, he used to have a Browning. It finally gave up the ghost, mm-hmm. and he was short on cash, and he bought a Mossberg 500, and that thing was a workhorse. I mean, he put it through the paces, got muddy. I mean, you name it. It came mm-hmm. out shining. It was reliable. It was like the uh, Swedish version of a Kalashnikov. You could throw it in a mud puddle to pick it up, right. and it would still fire just fine. Uh, they do. They absolutely do. And they they did a smart job. The designers did a smart job with that gun. They actually took a lot of their inspiration from the old Remington Model 31, which is the gun the 870 replaced. And you can see the family resemblance, especially in the carrier and how and the bolt. And that was a great gun. It was a gun that Remington found too expensive to produce because it required a lot of hand fitting. And Mossberg found a way to adapt that design into a gun that could be mass produced inexpensively. Some of the early 31s also did have alloy receivers incidentally. They had a lightweight version. But you know, they started with a good design and for whatever reason they've been able to make this gun um and still sell it for very little and still have it work. And and for years, as shotgun editor, the question I would get most often was, should I buy an 870 or a Model 500? And for years, my answer was buy an 870, which I just, I like 870s. I like the old steel receivers, a lot of things I like about them. But as time went on, and Remington went through some financial troubles also, but they kept cheapening the gun to try to keep up with the Mossberg Pro, within a few dollars of the Mossberg price. And, and eventually, 870s got to the point where they were so cheap, they didn't work anymore. Oh, boy. And that's when I started telling people to buy a Mossberg. Now, the new 870s are good, the Fieldmaster. But if you notice the price point on those, it, Remington is not trying to compete with Mossberg anymore because they can't. They're making a nicer gun, giving you some more features, and charging an extra $100 for it. And it is, it's a good gun. But it is no longer a gun that can compete with the Mossberg because... So far, nothing can. Well, I guess your your backhanded compliment isn't so backhanded after all. So No, it's not. There is <laughs> uh, there's nothing wrong with a gun that works for everybody all the time. And you take a Mossberg out of the box, they're always slick. There's really uh, there's a couple things I don't like about them. I don't like that you can't easily get the magazine. It doesn't have a magazine cap, so you can't take that, you know, take it off and clean it from the top of the magazine. And, and those plastic safeties... And I do like them because as a left-hander, they're they're right there where I can use them, which is great. Now I don't. I will confess I don't currently own a 500. I've got one on the way for turkey season, one of the new ones. But I do shoot an 835, which is basically a Mossberg beefed up for eight to 500 beefed up to shoot three and a half inch shells, and uh, you know, otherwise very very similar. You know, something and, else that uh, stood out in your article was mm-hmm. the versatility of 
this shotgun? I mean, it started out just as a field gun for mm-hmm. waterfowlers and upland right. bird hunters, but but now it's got law enforcement and military use yeah, as well. It does, and, and actually, even from the beginning, Mossberg. They always more gun for the money has always been a motto of theirs. And even from the beginning, it was the gun was offered with extra barrels, which is something that in the days before choke tubes, that's what you had to have if you wanted different chokes. And extra barrels were not that common, so they offered extra barrels and combo sets. And as time went on, there's a lot of innovation that first came into the industry as an accessory or as a model of the Model 500. They were the first factory rifled slug barrel, which back before people switched to straight wall rifle cartridges, that was a huge deal. They invented, they had a dual comb stock with a different comb insert you could put in to raise the, the stock dimensions up to use a scope. That was new. That was, that was a Mossberg innovation. They even had a, I've never seen one in person, but they had a black powder inline barrel for a while. Oh, wow. It was just, a, you put it on the gun and, all, and it's a muzzle loader. And so... Yeah, and early to adopt choke tubes because, you know, always their goal with the gun was to make it the most affordable, versatile gun that anyone could buy and anyone could do anything with. One other thing we should talk about is because it's such a popular gun, I understand there's a lot of aftermarket parts available. There are tons. You know, the Model 500 has got a big following in the tactical market, which is not my area, but a lot of those accessories are really, uh, really handy to have. On your turkey guns, uh, I put a tactical safety on my turkey gun that just makes it a lot easier to take off and operate when I've got the gun up. There's some really good mounts for red dot sights. Uh, and then there's a you know, bunch of million different stocks and barrels and slings and swivel studs and all kinds of things that you can use to customize your 500 for whatever, pretty much whatever you want to use it for, not just tactical use, not just turkey hunting, but almost anything. And there's a huge aftermarket industry. And that's just makes the gun that much more versatile. Well, it also went into the service of the military. I thought it was really interesting, uh, the specifications the Navy had for the Mossberg shotgun oh, before right. giving it out to their sailors. Well, the military didn't want, they wanted a magazine cap, which is why the Model 590 is a little different. They didn't want any plastic parts. But then the Navy chimed in and said, we want a gun where if somebody slams it in a hatch on a ship, those big steel doors, it doesn't bend the barrel. <laughs> so the 5.9 has got a beefed up barrel as well. But And it's the gun that is the only pump gun to survive the mil-spec 3, 34, 43 test, which involves shooting 3,000 rounds of buckshot without cleaning and without malfunction. And, you know, it, and there's some other uh, criteria too, but it is the only gun to pass that test. That's in the, in the 5.90, the military version. But essentially the same gun as the Model 500 you can go buy anywhere. Well, I'll be darned. You just taught me more about the Mossberg 500 than (laughs) I ever knew, and I suspect a lot of our listeners are feeling the same way. So, folks, if you're looking for a very affordable but very functional shotgun, check out the Mossberg 500. It'll probably fit the bill and not hurt your bank too much either. Phil, thanks for sharing all this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Absolutely welcome. Thank you. Mossberg makes a good shotgun with that Model 500, but you know what? Our friends at Henry Repeating Arms make absolutely fabulous lever-action rifles and shotguns, too. And unlike Mossberg, which is a Swedish company, Henry Repeating Arms is based in America, and they produce all their firearms in America, too, over 200 different models. And if you're looking for a special Christmas gift, head on down to your local sportsman's warehouse. Henry Rifles are on sale. You can get 
get the 22 caliber classic lever action rifle for a good price right now and the beautiful Henry Golden Boy, that rifle that looks like it came right out of an Old West movie set, that's on sale at Sportsman's Warehouse too. Haven't checked Cabela's or Shields or Bass Pro, but I suspect they've got Henry's in stock as well, and there's a good chance that some of those are on sale too. And if you're looking for other dealers, just go to henryusa.com and look for the authorized dealers there. If you have any questions about any of the products, contact the award-winning customer service staff. And before you leave that website at henryusa.com, be sure to ask for your free decals and catalog too. Henry Repeating Arms for Christmas. It's a great gift, but you're running out of time, so make it a point to purchase one today. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. Ready to step up to a quality-built rifle or shotgun that's a true classic? Check out Henry Repeating Arms, American-made. There's over 200 models to choose from in a variety of finishes and calibers for hunters and target shooters. Many of these are lever-action models with a look right out of the Old West. Don't be deceived, though. Henry Repeating Arms are modern, rugged, accurate, reliable, and have a lifetime guarantee. Find out more and order a free catalog today at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. We've been telling you about Sportsman's Cove Lodge in Southeast Alaska for a while now. They're truly Alaska's best lodge. Wildlife is abundant from bears and deer to eagles and whales. And let's not forget the reason you're here, the fishing, halibut, salmon, lingcod, rockfish, true cod, and more. It's all waiting for you in abundance at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book your trip today at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com for Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting and stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com. Welcome back to America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. If you are looking for a really great gift to give to a loved one for Christmas, consider a trip to Alaska to go fishing. And the place that you really ought to go is what is truly Alaska's best lodge. That would be Sportsman's Cove Lodge on Prince of Wales Island in southeast Alaska near Ketchikan. With us here to tell you more about the spectacular destination I've been to many times now is Steve Crook. He is the guest services manager for the lodge. Steve, welcome to the show. 
Hey, good morning, John. Let's talk a little bit about Sportsman's Cove Lodge and what a trip looks like for folks who have never been before. Now, it all starts off by flying in to Ketchikan, Alaska from Seattle, and there's a couple flights a day that you can take. What happens after you land in Ketchikan? Once you arrive in Ketchikan, yeah, you hop on the float planes because we're a remote flying lodge, like you said, out on Prince of Wales Island. Float planes will bring you out, get you to the lodge. We'll show you around, introduce you to your captains. You'll have dinner. And then first thing that next morning, get right to fishing. So you have your choice of booking a three-day fishing trip or a four-day fishing trip. Is that right? Correct. Yes, sir. All right. So the great thing I love about this lodge is, number one, the accommodations are very comfortable. Number two, you're literally... on Saltery Cove. So, I mean, it's it's as waterfront as you get. Number three, you're going to be fishing out of the same boat with the same captain and the same deckhand and the same crew every day. In other words, there's six guests per boat and you'll get to become friends with those other guests on the boat. So you can either book the boat as a group yourself or just come up as a onesie or twosie and go ahead and make some new friends. And I just love the boats that you have there, Steve. Yeah, we have a great fleet. That is one of the selling points for a lot of folks who come They who have been to other lodges. They say our boats are, are great. Captain Mac designed them. The, the fleet of the, the ladies, we call them. They each have their own individual lady name. Yeah, we're very productive boats. We, we get out there and we, we hit it hard every day. We mop them up. And, uh... Well, I'll tell you what I love about the boats. Number one, they're complete walk-around boats, which is really nice. So you can fish a couple people off the bow, a couple people in the middle, a couple people in the stern. You've got an enclosed cabin. You have a head, which is really important if you're going to go fishing for the day. And it's just a, a great platform to fish off of. Very spacious. They're what, 34-foot boats? 37-foot boats. 37-foot boats, yes. So great boats to fish out of. Again, the captains are all experienced. The deckhands are great. They're hardworking. You're going to have a great time fishing. I guess we should talk about the fishing because there's several species of salmon and there's other fish too, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've been hitting those halibut hard these past couple of years. We've had some great halibut fishing. We have lots of good structure to fish for lingcod. There's also, you know, other bottom fish, too. You hit those bait balls of cod and sit there and pound those for two hours. And, yeah, and then there's the, all the other random. We get some black cod in a little bit. Well, I have been fortunate enough to have been on trips at Sportsman's Cove Lodge where we have caught those black cod, also known as sable fish, a really good eaten fish. You're going to definitely catch some true cod. And if you like fish and chips, well, then you probably like cod. We're talking about really good quality cod here. And on top of that, you got the occasional rockfish you can keep. The ling cod can get pretty darn big, and they are awfully tasty. And the halibut, oh, they are found in abundance out here. And, of course, the salmon. So you've got the king salmon. You also have the silvers, which are the coho. And then you have the chum, and then you've got the pink salmon. And, you know, you hit it right. You're going to get into a ton of salmon up there. If folks are after big salmon, specifically the kings and the coho, what's the best time of year to come? come by a little earlier on. We have feeders there all year round where you can, you know, you can mooch for some, some feeders. You're, we're catching some of them all throughout the season, but the better king fishing is a little bit early on and where the coho arrive, you know, with the rest of them about that, those July arrivals, when all they all come in from the sea. The biggest and the best of the coho are late in season, those late August, September coho. It's the second run. Once we start getting a little rain and the rivers start filling up a little more, that's when the big fatties come in and once they can actually make it up the river. So oh, yes. I, I really enjoy the September 
co-host myself. Oh, one of these days I got to come up in September. I usually come up in July, and don't get me wrong, I love it. But catching a big coho would be all sorts of fun. But having said that, catching any coho is all sorts of fun. And something else we ought to talk about here is the style of fishing. You hinted at this. Mooching for salmon. I love mooching for salmon. It's way more engaged. It's way more hands-on than sitting there watching a rod and trolling for him on a downrigger. Absolutely. Occasionally we will do a little trolling, but mainly it's all mooching, which is, like you said, is very much more engaging and yeah, a lot, lot more fun. Oh, it's a ton of fun, especially when those salmon follow your bait right up to the surface. And when they do, here's a hint, don't get that bait out of the water, drop it down immediately about 15 feet and then let it sit there. And a lot of times those salmon are going to follow it right down and hit it. As soon as it stops, it's just tons of fun to mooch for salmon and to catch them that way. And, and my daughter, Faith, actually caught the biggest salmon caught at the lodge a couple years ago, a 37-pound king. So there's some real big ones out there. 37-and-a-half-pound king, John. Oh, you have a good memory, Steve. I've got a post right here on my desk too, of all the, all the biggest fish of the year. That was, that was a nice one. Yes, it was. All right, something else we have to talk about besides the fishing is the food. You have some amazing food that you serve up to the guests there, and you've got three meals a day, too. Yeah, we have some great products to work with there. Being in Alaska, just the freshest of the best seafood to serve, and whether it's halibut Olympia or the crab boil or, or the, the spot prawns, it's, it's just all A+. plus. Oh, that is an understatement to be sure. And save room for dessert because there's always tasty desserts. And the breakfasts are fantastic, too. Hot breakfast every morning. Oh, absolutely. Get it. Fuel up at 6 a.m. We have our breakfast served and then 630 better be down there on that boat because they're pulling out 630 sharp. (laughs) That's right. And bring your sack lunch with you that you're going to make right before breakfast. So you're going to be well fed. And by the way, as soon as you get back around 330 in the afternoon, there's going to be an appetizer waiting for you, too. So you're never going to go hungry. Last but not least, and you're a big part of this as the man in charge of guest services, is the customer service. You actually have a staff to client ratio. Literally one-to-one. I've never been so well taken care of in my life as I had been when I go to Sportsman's Cove Lodge. It takes a lot of work. We have to find out everything about our guests before they get there because we're a remote flying lodge. There is no running to the store or or getting these last-minute items. We have to be 100% completely prepared for everyone who arrives just to to cater to their needs and and their wants. And so we do our homework on everybody to make the A-plus guest experience. Well, you do a great job of it. And I should also mention... There's a lot of wildlife out there, too. We're talking humpback whales, orca whales, deer, of course. We're talking black bear and, of course, tons of bald eagles. You're going to see a plethora of marine mammals and other wildlife when you're up here. I mean, it is just wild Alaska. It is great fishing, great accommodations, great experience. Last question for you, Steve. What openings do you have left? Because I know you generally are almost always close to sold out before you even start the holiday season. True. We have so many families and, and companies and guests that come back every single year. They do fill the calendar up pretty rapidly. But we do sell some, uh, even full boats still available um, all throughout the season. We've got some single spots, some doubles, but then we also have some full boats in uh, June, July, August, and we have one boat left in, in September on that Labor Day trip. And uh, yep, so we have, we have some good availability no matter when you want to come, what species you want to target. We've, we've got a little bit of availability left for you. Okay. Well, the website to go to to find out more and book your trip today and give 
give somebody the Christmas gift they're going to love like no other Christmas gift is alaskasbestlodge.com. That's the website for Sportsman's Cove Lodge, alaskasbestlodge.com. Book it today and again. Give somebody a Christmas present they will never forget. Steve, thanks so much for sharing this with us today, and Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you, John. You too. Have happy holidays. Last but not least, with Christmas approaching, the nonprofit group Farmers and Hunters Feeding the Hungry has launched a new campaign. It's the Hunt Down Hunger campaign, and it's encouraging hunters across America to help feed the hungry by donating their legally harvested games, such as deer and elk, to local hunger relief charities and ministries. The campaign will help individuals and families this Christmas season and beyond as costs for necessities such as food and fuel have risen above bunch over the last year. Participating local butcher shops have agreed to receive and process the donations into nutritious meat at a discounted price for farmers and hunters feeding the hungry and other similar organizations in 37 states. These organizations raise money to pay for the processing bills. The meat is then distributed free of charge to community food banks, soup kitchens, and other hunger relief programs to help feed the needy. Over the past 25 years, Farmers and Hunters Feeding the Hungry has facilitated the donation, processing, and distribution of meat for 23 million meal servings to hungry individuals, children, and families across the nation. You can find out more and learn how to participate at HuntDownHunger.org. That's HuntDownHunger.org. And with that, it's time to wrap things up and a little programming note for you. Since next weekend is Christmas weekend, and the weekend after that, we celebrate the new year, we're going to be giving you a couple of best of episodes. And I know I'm not alone in this regard. I think just about all the programming you're going to be hearing on the weekends over the next two weeks will be best of episodes. But don't worry, the first week of January, we'll be back with fresh content. and We can't wait to see you in 2023. Here's wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and do remember this, it is your country and you're outdoors so get out there and enjoy it.